Exodus chapter 14, we're starting at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Thank you very much, man. I want to share a few thoughts about this very interesting, probably a very familiar passage and story as the children of Israel find themselves camped here, faced with the Red Sea in front of them. And you remember the details of how they got there how the children of Israel had found themselves in captivity in Egypt for hundreds of years, actually. They'd cried out to God, and uh, God finally sent a deliverer in the form of Moses who led them out as God gave him power and as God uh, was, their, was their God. You'll remember that uh, when Moses came and told Pharaoh that I want you to hear the voice of God, God says, let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. And it culminated with the plagues. Ten plagues, the final one being uh, the death of the firstborn of every family. And you'll remember how all of the Egyptians had the firstborn of their family. Even Pharaoh had his firstborn killed by the angel of God that passed over that, that night. But in the Israelite area, they had been told of the remedy. What you need to do is get a spotless lamb. Take the lamb, kill it, and get a branch of hyssop, dip it in the blood, and put it on the sides and on the top, the doors and the lintel of your house, the entrance to your house, just like that, right? And the blood will be seen by the angel of death, and the angel will pass over where the blood is. And so the firstborn in those Israelite homes was not killed, and the Jewish people to this day celebrate Passover when they remember how the angel passed over because the blood of the Lamb. And there's great significance for us, isn't there, in our spiritual experience. It's exactly the same. We were in bondage to sin. We were captive to the things of this world and to our own human desires. But Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, came into the world. And Jesus allowed his blood to be spilled. And if we apply the blood of Jesus to our hearts and to our lives, if we let the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all unrighteousness, then... Death passes over us. Hallelujah. We're living in Passover every day. Hallelujah. 
The angel of death passes over us. We're no longer slaves to sin and to fear because we're children of God. Hallelujah. And we are alive because of Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. So as a result, Pharaoh said, okay, go, please go. And uh, the Egyptians gave them all sorts of wealth, and off they went. And right from the moment that they entered into their journey on the way to the land of promise that God had prepared for them, a pillar of cloud led them. And at nighttime, the cloud turned to a pillar of fire so that they had warmth and they also had some light from the pillar of fire. Wherever they went, there was a pillar, God's presence. They knew it was God's presence. Wherever God's presence led them, they followed. And they followed because God was leading them. That's the way it is in our lives, isn't it? We follow God. We are not the ones that are in control anymore. He's our master. He's the one that guides us. He takes us to various places. Now, you remember the story that Pharaoh hardens his heart and says, you know, man, I, I, I shouldn't have let them go. I want those slaves back. They were doing a good service for me. And so he sends his army, his chariots, to go and get them and bring them back. And it's always interesting, isn't it? You know, even people that have seen the power of God, somehow they can live as if God really isn't involved. It, it, it amazes me. You know, they've seen the power of God. They've seen how God is at work. But yet they'll defy God and try and do their own thing. Go and let my plans be fulfilled. But God is God. God is looking after them. And so they follow God as he leads them. As God leads them, they come to the Red Sea. God led them there. God leads them and they, they find themselves now. How are they going to get across? What's going to happen? And they're camped there. And as they're camped there, they look up from where they came, and here's the Egyptian army coming after them to come and to take them captive again and take them back to Egypt. And what happened? Fear and terror gripped the hearts of the children of Israel. Fear and terror. I guess very natural and understandable human emotion. Fear and terror. They saw the Egyptians. They didn't want to go back. They knew what it had been like. And so fear and terror. Our human hearts respond that way. When, the, when there's the unknown, when we don't know what's going to happen. Fear is the natural result. We fear. We're afraid. What's going to happen? Fear of the unknown. What if this happens? What if that happens? Most of it never happens. Have you discovered that? Worry is a liar, isn't it? You can worry all about it. 99.9% .9 of all the things you worry about never happen. But fear jumps in and grips our heart. Fear and terror grip their hearts. And so you've read along with Wendy there in verse 11. It says that when fear and terror grip their hearts, they cried out to God. What they really said is, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And to Moses, Moses, come on. What sort of deliverer are you? I thought you were going to bring us to something better. Instead of leaving us there, you've made it worse. What sort of deliverer are you? We should have just stayed there. We should never have listened to you. Why would we follow you? Look at the mess you've got us into. Fear and terror has a way of gripping our hearts so that we only see the things around us. We see the immediate. We see the problem. That was their that was their, their issue, wasn't it? They saw the problem. 
They saw with their human eyes the condition around, and they knew exactly what was going to happen. The Egyptians were going to take them captive again, and they would be prisoners again like they had been for so long. But you know God, God was the one who had led them all this way from Egypt to this very spot. Now, if you get out your map, you'll discover that God could have led them not any further, about the same distance, but he could have led them a totally different way and avoided the Red Sea. And they would have been scot-free, on their way, no problem, no barrier. But somehow, God was the one that led them to this very place. When I think about that, I think, you know, God wanted to have these Israelites have a strong impression of who he was. God wanted them to see his power. God wanted them to understand that he was God. They'd been in captivity for hundreds of years. They hadn't seen the power of God. They'd prayed. They'd prayed. They'd asked God to deliver. They'd asked God to set them free. They'd asked God to show his power. But they hadn't seen it for hundreds of years. The plagues helped when Moses came along. But the plagues mainly happened in the Egyptian areas. Didn't happen in the Jewish area. They were kept isolated, if you will. Happened over there. They knew about them, but they hadn't seen them themselves. Here God was going to bring them to a place where they would see the power of God firsthand. They'd see it with their own eyes. They'd see that God could do impossible things. God could, could take control of the elements. God could use the elements. God can use anything. He'd use the elements to get rid of their, their oppressors, to get rid of the Egyptians, and they would no longer see them anymore. He was an experiencing God that they would never, never forget. God led them there. God led them there. If you're like me, you probably would say, you know, God, I don't really enjoy problems. Can't you lead me around the problems? Can't you take me over the problem? Can't you take me, even if you have to, under the problem? Just don't take me into the problem. I don't like problems. Problems and Skinner don't mix like oil and water. Don't get along. I don't know about you, but I'm a man. Pain doesn't really help me. I don't enjoy pain. If it was up to me, there'd never be any children born, right? Because I'm a man. God led them right into the problem. He didn't lead them around, over, under. He led them to the problem. And sometimes, even in our experience, God will lead us right into the face of a problem. He'll take us right to the midst of the problem. He won't take us around. You may pray, and you may say, God, please deliver me from all of my problems. But oftentimes, God takes us right into the middle of the problem. So we, just like the children of Israel, can see God for who he really is. We can see his power. We can experience firsthand who God is, how he works, what he's got in store for every single one of us. And you know, if you go through the Bible, you'll discover... That that's God's plan. He says it in various ways throughout the scripture. Isaiah chapter 43. It's going to be up on the screen. So I can read it to you. God says here. This is what the Lord who created you Jacob. Who formed you Israel. Do not fear for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You're mine. 
When you pass through the waters, not around, not over, not a, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Hallelujah. That's God speaking. When you pass through the rivers, the King James says, when you go through the flood, it will not overwhelm you. It will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, will not kindle upon you, the, the King James God uh, says. Why? Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I've given Egypt for your ransom. I'm God. He says it over and over and over again. Yet somehow my human spirit, my human nature wants to always avoid all the problems. God sometimes takes us right in there. But you know when God takes us right in there, he promises that he'll never let go of us. He won't forsake us. He'll be our God. He'll take care of us right as we go through the midst of the problem. And in the midst of the problem, we will discover the awesomeness of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, where you never could experience any other way. This is very important for new Christians, people who are very new in their faith. Problems come along. I, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news or speak negatively, but you know what? Problems will come. Pressure will come. Persecution will come. Tribulation will come. But when the problems come, you need to understand that God is the one who goes with you through the middle of the problem. He's always there. He never lets go. He's going to help you to build faith and trust in knowing him, in knowing that he's God. And it doesn't matter what the problem is. doesn't matter how big the problem is. God will not let you down. He's God. Hallelujah. It was C.S. Lewis that said, I've never seen a strong person who had an easy past. I've never seen a strong person who had an easy past. My human condition says, I, I, I want it easy. I don't want any issues. I don't want any problems. But you know what? The problems and the difficulties help us to focus on God and help us to see God in a way that we would never see when we go through the valley, when we go through the issues, when we go through the problems. You're probably going to hear me quote Henri Crouch from time to time because he was a great singer. I wanted the best... Best concert I ever went to, Andre Crouch at Queensway. Man, it's, 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 now, yeah, we're going back a few years ago. I still remember it was like yesterday, you know? Andre Crouch saying, if I never had a problem, I'd never know, come on, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust his word. Hallelujah. That's what, he, that's what happens. God takes us through the problems. C.S. Lewis has got it right. You know what? Your past helps you to become the person that you can be so God can use you in the future. You won't be the kind of person God can use unless you've got some past where you've seen the presence and the power of God. These Israelites needed to discover what it was like. And so they discovered that God was on their side. And so here they are, camped, facing the Red Sea. They thought they were, that was going to be a big problem. But then, I don't know, have you discovered that sometimes problems have a way of multiplying? Sometimes, you know, it just seems it never rains, but it, yeah, you know, good old English language. Isn't that great? You know, we all know, oh, here, yep, right? We, 
and, and they turn around and here come the Egyptians. Here come the Egyptians. Now they know that they're in real problems. Now they know that they've got water on one side, Egyptians on the other side. God, how are you going to get us out of this? How are you going to get us to the place where you can help us? Did you notice what the twins led us in this morning? That's awesome. That's awesome. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Right? Now, they sang a little nicer than that. But you know what? I want to tell my fear. You don't stand a chance when I stand in the love of God. Hallelujah. That's what they sang this morning. I didn't tell them to sing it. Did I tell you to sing it? No. You know why? Because God wants to tell you something today. Your fear doesn't stand a chance when God's involved. Hallelujah. In fact, you know what? Perfect love casts out fear, my Bible tells me. Hallelujah. What was the last song that you sang about fear? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And what about the Red Sea? What did it say? You split the sea and I walk right through it. My fears were drowned in hallelujah, perfect love. You know what? That's the truth. That's the truth. God wants you to understand. The world will bring fear. Your human nature will cause you to worry about tomorrow, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to go, what's all the issues going to, will I still have a job? Is there a pandemic coming back? All the stuff that you hear, there's a recession coming, blah, 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 blah. God wants you to know your fear doesn't stand a chance when God's love's filling your heart. Hallelujah. You're no longer a slave to fear. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. Tell the person next to you. Tell the person you're a child of God. Tell them. Come on. Turn to the person on the other side. Tell them. You haven't said have somebody on the other side. Sorry. Tell them. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? When they operated in fear... Moses steps in. They're blasting Moses with their fear and with their accusations and with their negativity. And what does Moses do? Does he complain? Does he run home? Does he give up? No. I like what Moses does. He says in verse 13, I think it is. Verse, is it verse 13? No. Yes, verse 13. Do not be afraid. That's the first thing he says. Why? Because you've got fear, let me tell you the answer. Do not be afraid. You know what? That's a decision you have to make every day. Every circumstance. You can choose to be afraid or you can choose in God not to be afraid. Thank God for godly leaders who will not panic in the midst of the storm. Who will not panic when they don't know what to do or there's issues coming. But they will say, listen, God is on our side. Do not be afraid. Now, you can listen to the news, and you can listen to the world, and you can get all excited about all the stuff that's out there. But the difference is, we've got God on our side. Hallelujah. And when God is with you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Moses says. Stand still, and you'll see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. Thank God for leaders who know God, who trust God. Beautiful what he says. Don't be afraid. Just stand still. Hang on. Hold your horses. And you're going to see the deliverance of God. Verse 14. 
The Egyptians that you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. In other words, turn your eyes from the problem to the answer. If you focus on the problems, you will discover fear and terror start to overtake your heart. But when you focus on the answer, you will discover faith in God, trust in a God who's able to do not just difficult things, but he's able to do the impossible because nothing is impossible with God. He shows us that over and over. That's why these accounts and these these stories are so important for us. God is our salvation. He's the one who's fighting for you. He's the one that will fight the battle. In fact, you just have to trust in God. You just have to stand in God. Believe that he's your father, that he knows you, and he will take care of all of the problems around you. Did you notice that Moses responded here? To the people before God even said something. I I like that. I like that. But then in verse 15, Moses goes to God. And did you did you remember what God said here in verse 15? He says, Well, let's read it. He says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Do you know what he said? Excuse me, Hilda. Stop praying. Stop praying. Get off your knees and get on your feet. That's what he said. Why are you crying out to me? Here's the the solution. Get off your knees. You know what? There's a time to pray and there's a time to get into action. We need both. Do you remember Shiloh holding? Remember? Hallelujah. Holding up as long as we were in touch with heaven, there was victory. But somebody had to be out there in the battlefield. And and God says to Moses, tell the children of Israel, stop crying, stop crying out to me, stop praying, let's get into action. Moses, Moses, you take the rod of God. You take that which I've given to you. And you hang on to it and you go out there and tell the people to move on. To go ahead. Let's go. Don't stay here. And you know what? The Christian life is all about moving on. Life in God is always about moving on. You got to move on. You got to move on. Sometimes we'd like to camp. Sometimes we'd like to camp where, where it's easy. But God says, tell the children of Israel, it's time to move on. He brought them there for a purpose. He brought them to show his power. Moses, take the rod of God in your hand. Now, you'll remember that Shiloh had a real shepherd's staff, right? This is a walking stick that my dad had in Africa. My dad had about eight or ten walking sticks. They're in the office. My mom sits in front of them when she does her crossword puzzles every week. And this is the one I like. I mean, it really is Africa. This is all the beadwork on it. So I'm going to use this, is that okay, as the rod of God today? Because the rod of God, I probably was a shepherd's staff because Moses was a shepherd. But the rod of God was that which God showed his power through. And God used Moses, but he showed that the rod of God was there. The evidence of his power. God says, Moses, I want you to take the rod of God and I want you to hold it out over the sea.
I want you to hold it out over the sea. Stretch it out over the sea. And the sea's going to part. And tell the children of Israel, step out into the dry land and cross over to the other side. And Moses says, am I on candid camera? Am I being pranked? That's what they say today, right? Sorry, right? Am I be- this has got to be a reality show, right? You want me to hold the rod out over, aiming at the water, in front of two million people, and the water's going to, what? It's going to open up, and we're going to, yeah, right. But you see, Moses had learned to trust God. He'd heard the voice of God before. He'd obeyed. And God had done some powerful things through Moses over and over again. And so Moses doesn't argue with God. He doesn't think about how crazy it is. He just does what God asks him to do. Do you remember when we talked about the Amalekites and Shiloh was here holding up the shepherd's staff? you got to sympathize with those poor Amalekites for a while, don't you? Because here they were, seasoned, veteran, fierce fighters. They were out there ready to have battle with the children of Israel. They were going to wipe them out. And here come the Israelites. Oh, good. Not many of them, but here's their... And Hang on. Their leader is standing up there on the side of the hill with his hands held up to heaven. He's not even... Like, come on. This is modern warfare. This is modern times. You know, we know what to do. How's that going to work? But the children of Israel discovered there, as they discovered over and over and over again, that God can do unbelievable, amazing things, things that seem crazy. If you're going to do it God's way, it'll work. And the thing that I love as I read through the scripture is God didn't do the same thing twice or very often, right? There was only once that he held his rod out and the Red Sea divided. And then when they got to the Jordan River, did the same thing. In fact, the the, the priests carried the ark of God and they put their feet into the water and and the water of the Jordan River parted. It's the only times. Why? Because God doesn't want us to get into a pattern of saying, oh, yeah, that's how God works. That's how God works. Because you know what would happen? Because you're human just like me. In fact, some of you are more human than I am. (laughs) You know what? You say, God, this is how he worked in the past. Pastor, this is how God worked in the past. Now, if you just follow the pattern, and God will work that way again. What I want to say to you today is, you know what? God doesn't have a pattern. Hallelujah. God just works however the heck he wants to. Excuse my French. He just works however he wants to. In fact, you know what? Sometimes he works just against us just to show us that we know nothing and that God is able to do impossible. You can trust God. Stand with your hands. Come on, God. Are you out of your mind? Hold the rod out over the sea. Come on. When is that ever going to work? How is that going to take care of the Egyptians? But if we will do what seems to be stupid 
in the eyes of the world by following and listening to God, God always comes through. Hallelujah. Always, always, always. God tells us to do some things that the world thinks are foolish. That sometimes our own flesh thinks are foolish. Are you serious? You want me to give 10% of the money that I have earned by working hard and getting up every morning? You want me to give it to the church? Seriously? You want, you want me to do that, right? Because the church has got lots of money. They don't need my money. Why would you want me to do that? Well, you know what? You can either do it God's way and see the blessing of God, or you can do it your way and get beaten up. It's your choice. It's your choice. God doesn't need your money. Tell the person next to you. Because your wife needs to hear that. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. God needs your obedience. God wants your faith. God wants you to trust him. And you know what? God says, if you obey, if you bring the tithes into the storehouse, what's God going to do? He's going to press it down. He's going to shake it together so he can get a little more blessing in. He'll cause it to overflow. That's the way God is. That's what he wants for you. But he wants you to get involved. I read this story a number of times again this week. And I thought, you know what? God is big enough and strong enough all by himself. He could have just opened up the Red Sea. He could have just open, open, close. Why did he use Moses? Why did he use Moses? Why didn't he just do it? Because I've thought that, and you've probably thought that a number of times as well. Well, God, just save everybody that needs to get saved. God, take care of all the poor people. Solve all the problems. Straighten out the politicians. Organize the money. You do it all, God. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever prayed any prayers like that? Of course we have. You know what? God didn't come and open the Red Sea all by himself. Could he have? He didn't close the Red Sea all by himself. Could he have? But he chose to use Moses. He chose that Moses would use the rod of God and hold it out so the people would see that God works through people. God works through leaders. God works in a way that we can follow along. God wants to, us to see that God is at work. He could do it all by himself. You know what? He could straighten out Ottawa just like that. Well, maybe not just like, yeah. But God is still at work. Hallelujah. He's still doing what he needs to do. But he chooses to use us. He chooses to use leaders. And he says to us, SPC, you know what? It's time to move on. It's time to move on. I'll open up the way before you. I'll allow my presence to be with you. I'll let you see miracle after miracle of my presence and my power. You just follow me. You just trust me. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. When I look at this account, I see here three amazing miracles that happened. Three amazing miracles that happened. I call them miracles because all three of these areas are where God got involved. God did them. 
And when God gets involved and God does it supernaturally, that's a miracle, right? And they were, as you read the story, three miracles. First of all, moving the cloud. Secondly, opening the water. And third, closing the water. Three different miracles that God did. Three different miracles that God did. Verse 19 and verse 20. Read with me because we didn't get that far. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. The pillar of cloud that was in front of them, that had led them to this place, led them all the way from captivity, was leading them to the promise of God. The pillar that had brought them to this very spot, spoke to them of the presence of God, shifted from in front of them to behind them, from leading them to being behind them. And as I think about it, they tell us here that it accomplished two things. From Israel's perspective, the pillar went around behind and blocked out the Egyptian army so that they couldn't see them all night long. Now, it wasn't quite out of sight, out of mind, but they didn't see them. And on their side, there was light so that they could get prepared for the morning when they would step into the path between the water and get to the other side. On the Egyptian side, from their perspective, the cloud that came around blocked out the Israelite people. And in fact, on their side, it says it was like a fog. It was dark. So they couldn't see, so they had to just stay. They couldn't do anything all night. They couldn't go forward. They couldn't, they couldn't attack. And so all night long, the presence of God, which was now behind them, kept the Israelites from the Egyptians. Two different perspectives that happened when the cloud moved. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of went to Sunday school most of my life. I grew up in Sunday school. I, I, I'm so thankful for the people that stuck it out with my brother and I in Sunday school, finally get us through where we are today. And there's going to be a reward for those people <laughs> in heaven. I mean, God love them. I'm going to apologize all over myself when I get to heaven. I'll even apologize for my brother. Because, you know... But when I was in Sunday school, I heard about the opening of the Red Sea and I heard about it closing and the Egyptians getting drowned. I don't really recall the part about the cloud being moved. Do you? Now, you're probably better than I. You, you, you read the Bible, right? So you, you, you've read it. But I, I don't remember that part too well. But when I read it now, I think there's a number of applications that cause me to understand that this is... Not only a miracle, this is a significant part of the whole story. We just focus on the big part. Oh, 
the Red Sea opened. Man, oh man. But before the Red Sea opened, something else happened, very significant. The cloud moved. The cloud, which was God's presence, which was always there, reminded them that they could trust God, that God was on their side, just like he'd promised, that he would never leave them or forsake them. It didn't matter whether they were in sunshine or in darkness. It didn't matter if the circumstances changed. God was still there. Even if we feel that God has moved from where he normally is, from where we expect him to be, where, where we've grown accustomed to his face, right? If God moves from there, the truth is God never leaves us. He's as real whether he's in front or he's behind, whether he's above or he's below. God's presence was still there. When I read it here, it says in verse 19 that the angel of God, I, I don't even remember that part. I, I, must, I don't know what I was doing in Sunday school, but there's so many parts I don't remember. The angel of God, which led the army went around behind, and the pillar of cloud went around with the angel. Went around behind them. From where they were used to having the presence of God, from where they'd followed God all this time, to somewhere that they weren't used to having God's presence. Lord, I'm used to your presence in front. This is the way you always work. This is how you always are. Comfortable with that. I like comfort. I like pattern. I like tradition. I like all those things because I, 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 it's my comfort zone. This is my chair. This is where I sit. I can tell who's not here this morning because their chair is empty. I can tell if you're here today from Florida because you're sitting in your chair. Hallelujah, Larry. Thank God for that. Right? I can tell your wife's still in Florida. You know why? Because she's not sitting in her chair. Because we're so used that we just want God to always be where we want him to be. Right? The symbol of God's presence has moved. And Lord, this is the biggest problem I've ever faced. And just when I need you the most, you leave me. You, you're not there. I don't see you. Where are you? I need you now more than I've ever. And now you decide that you're going to take a coffee break? What's going on? The presence of God moved. And I'm sure that there were some in the crowd, as there are in every crowd. Don't put your hand up, but there's some in every crowd that would have said, well, you know, we shouldn't have complained and murmured. Now God's judging us. He's angry at us. Shouldn't have done it. It's, it, it, it's our sin. It's our, it's our fault. And now God... He's just going to teach us a lesson. He's going to move, and he's going to not be where we want him to be, and he's not going to help us with this problem. That kind of thinking was a mistake. That kind of thinking always is a mistake. There was no anger or judgment in God moving his presence. You can think of a thousand different reasons why God's presence isn't where you expect it to be. Not one of them will ever be because God doesn't want to be with you. 
Not one of them will ever be because God wants to hurt you or judge you or forsake you. God never lets go. He's there. He's your father. I am a child of God, we sing. That blows my mind that God wants me to be his child. I'm the apple of his eye. I know he likes you guys, but I'm the apple of his eye. He watches over me. He blesses me. He helps me. He's always, man, he's been so good to me. He's being good to me now. And for any of us to think that God's presence isn't with us when we need him the most would not be the truth. There was not any anger or judgment in God moving his presence. What did God do? He'd been before them as their guide. G-U-I-D-E, as their guide. Now, he moved his presence and he went behind them to be their guard. G-U-A-R-D. His presence was as close to them, behind them, as it had been in front of them. It was just in a different place. Why? Because they didn't need God to be their guide right now. They needed God to be their guard right now. They needed protection. Let me tell you something. When you think God has left you, or you think you're in the middle of troubles, and you think that the heavens are brass and God isn't hearing your prayers, God has moved to where he needs to be to be the best to you that he wants to be. His loving kindness is fresh and new every day, every morning. He knows what you need. And I don't care if God moves. I'd rather him move to where I need him to be than where I expect him to be. How about you? And that's what God did. He moved. So the moving of the cloud, man, this is significant. This is a major thing. Because God is always where I need him to be. They didn't need a visual guide anymore. God had spoken. Stop praying. Get off your knees. Get on your feet. Move on. You know, when they got to the land of promise, the manna stopped. The water stopped. The quails stopped. The ladies' dresses started to wear out. Shoes started to wear out. All of that, God had looked after. He'd taken care of all of their issues. When they got across the Jordan... They had to fight the battle of Jericho, right? They had to go and plant some crops. They had to go and reap those crops. They had to build some houses. They had to do some stuff. Whereas here, in the early days, in this transition, when God was showing them his power, God was watching over them and helping them. He'd moved the cloud to bless them. To bless them. Can I just say before I finish my other two points... Thank God for his presence. Thank God for his presence. I don't know if you fully understand how significant it is that God wants his presence to be with us. Think about it. The God of all creation. The God who spoke the world into being. The God who sustains everything. The God who knows the beginning from the end. The God who is all-powerful all-knowing, all-loving, wants to come and be with me, wants to come and be with you, wants to come 
and be with us as we gather together on a Sunday morning. He wants us to sense his presence. He wants us to know that he's here. He wants us to know that he cares about the struggles that you're going through. He wants you to know that even if you're facing a major battle like the Red Sea in front and you don't know how you're going to get across and you don't know what's going to happen and just when you think you're getting used to that, you turn around and some Egyptians are after you. He he wants you to know it doesn't matter. No weapon formed against the children of God will prosper. He wants his presence to come. He wants to, in fact, you know what? He sent Jesus into this world and I as a little child learned to sing, Jesus, come into my heart, into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Why? Because he wants his presence to come and fill me on the inside. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. You could almost get excited about that if you weren't Canadian. You know what? And it wasn't frozen out there. You could almost, you know, if I was in a a, a down south church, people would be up and running the aisles. Hallelujah. Because you know what? God, almighty God, Jehovah, he wants to come and he wants his presence to be in me. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he cares about me. And he knows you and he loves you. And there's nothing that's happened to you that God will abandon you in the midst of. Man, that's good preaching. That's good preaching. Because you need to have your faith rise up and believe. Not the problems. Not the difficulties, not the issues, not all the stuff out there. You need to believe the truth that God loves you. That Jesus came into this world so that I can say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. And he walks with me. Hey, Ruth, this is what we used to sing. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. And the joy that we share As we tarry there, none other can ever know the presence of God. We love the presence of God. We long for the presence of God. Without the presence of God, we're just a club doing some stuff. We're just trying to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're just trying to help each other get through the day or get through the week. Or how are you going to be healthier or, or, or... more financially secure, all that. Good. Come tomorrow night. It'll be good. You'll, you'll be blessed. But you know what? You can eat all the right stuff. You can exercise all you want. And you can still have a heart attack prematurely. I've buried them. I've, I've been at funerals. Now, that doesn't mean I can just, you know, I'm not saying that. But you know what? It's the presence of God. In Him we live and move and have our being, my Bible says. Hallelujah. Okay, let's finish off the last two. The moving of cloud. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I want you to be encouraged today. God's presence will be what you need it to be in every circumstance. Because you know what? Your circumstance is different than your circumstance. Your circumstance is different from your circumstance. My circumstance, but you know what? The presence of God Almighty, all-knowing God, He can take care of you as much as He can take care of me, as much as He can take care of you. He's there. He knows. He loves us. The second miracle was the opening of the water. The opening of the water. So Moses stretched out his hand with the rod of God. And all night, it says that the wind, east wind blew, 
And the water stood up on one side, on the left, and on the right. God opened up the water. Because God can make a way where there seems to be no way. That's the way God is. That's why we can preach from Revelation chapter 3. That God says, listen, I'm going to open a door that nobody can shut. And when I shut the door, nobody can open it. Why? Because God always knows a way. God can make a way. You may think it's impossible, but God can open the seas. The girls sang it today. Hallelujah. Vic joined in once in a while to sing. You know what? He parted the seas and I walked right through it. I walked right through it. And there are people that are sitting in this building today, me included. I'm not sitting, but me included, that can say, you know what? God has brought me through. God has opened a way. God has taken me through the midst of problems. And I've come out on the other side knowing that I'm a child of God, that he loves me and he cares about me. He opened up the way. And you know what it says as we read it? That the children of Israel went through on dry ground. Their chariots didn't bog down in the mud. Everybody got to the other side. And you may think, you know what, two million people, you may be one amongst two million, but God can bring you through. It doesn't matter how many other people they are. When they got to the other side, there wasn't even mud on their shoes. Think about that. Dry ground. Dry ground all the way. Not like some of you that came in with snow on today, you know. Dry ground. God opened up the water. And then, the third miracle is the closing of the water. Just as significant as the other two. And notice that God says to Moses again, stretch your rod out over the waters and the waters will close. And at the same time, it doesn't tell me the detail. At the same time, the cloud of God, the presence of God moved so that the Egyptians now saw that the, the hey, they were there. Now they're way on the other side. They went right through. And they decided, think, I'm, strategic planning, you know? We're going to follow them down there. Yup, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do, right? To follow along behind, you know? Out they went, right into the middle. They're out in the middle. And what does it say? God sent confusion. The wheels of their chariots started to bog down. They started to sink down to their knees in the mud. It had been dry for the Israelites. Now, And you know what they said? They said, we shouldn't have done this, you think. We shouldn't have done this. Why? Because God, not just a God, not just one of the gods, but God, God of Israel, Jehovah, he's on their side. He's fighting for them. Retreat, turn around, go back. And the water closed in. And all of them perished. Why? Because God had shown his deliverance by bringing them out of captivity. Now he was showing again that even when you're out of captivity, as you walk, as you're walking in the fullness and the promise of God is your expectation, that God's got more for you. He'll deliver you from all sorts of things. He'll bring you through. He, he's got good plans, a future and a hope for each and every one of us. He's going to take us to where he wants us to be. He's got promises that, that are yea and amen to every one of us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Close the water and they all drowned. 
And then I get to the end, which is good because it's 20 after. Verse 29, verse 29, here's what it says. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. What's our response? What does God want from us in the midst of all of these experiences that he brings us to and he brings us through? He wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. Say, but pastor, you don't know the problems I'm facing. You don't know the big things that are out there. You don't know how many there are that seem to be all surrounding me. I'm just disappointed to talk about problems. And that's true, I don't. But I know God. And I know God knows you, loves you, cares about you. It doesn't matter what's happened to you to this point. It doesn't matter what problems you are facing. As we pray, we're going to pray that God, number one, will show us his presence. Would you agree with me on that today? And we're going to say, God, would you open up a way in the midst of all of the issues I'm facing? And you name them as I pray. You name them to God this morning. They're your problems. They're your obstacles. They're the things that are causing you sometimes to respond with fear. But instead today we're going to say in faith to God, Lord, in spite of those problems, I'm going to trust you. Would you make a way? Would you open the way up so that when the waters come, they won't overwhelm me? When the fire comes, it won't burn me. Why? Because you're my God. I'm going to trust you. Would you pray with me this morning as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are God. I love these stories. I love these accounts of your people because... People haven't changed much, but in the midst of all of it, I see that you are a great God. You're a great God who loves his people, who goes to battle for his people, who cares about his people. And I pray today by the Holy Spirit that faith will rise up in every one of our hearts, from the youngest to the oldest, men and women, that we would say to you today, O oh God, we take our eyes off all of the issues and the problems and the things of this world and we focus our attention upon you. We focus our attention upon you. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to this world and the things of this world. We're your children. We belong to you. We want to be exactly where you want us to be. You've led each and every one of us that are in this building or watching online today. You've led us to this point. And you're not going to abandon us now. I pray in Jesus' name that you will open up a way where there seems to be no way. Whatever the obstacle is, whatever the insurmountable issue is 
that we're staring at and that we're worrying about and that's causing us to not be able to move ahead. I pray in Jesus' name that in faith today we would move on. We would step out. We would follow your word. We would hear you calling us and we would go forth in faith and in trust and believe that you're on our side. I pray that you would open up a door for those that are facing sickness today. And many are here with physical issues, sickness. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would open up a way through those physical issues, through that disease, through all of the things that they're facing today. In faith, in the name of Jesus, we agree together for your best, for you to be able to deliver us, set us free, bring us out in Jesus' name, that we will no longer be slaves to the issues and the problems, whatever they may be. We're going to move ahead as men and women of God, children of God, called by your name into the promise of God, seeing your hand, seeing your blessing in Jesus' name. I receive that today. I receive it for my life. I receive it for your lives in Jesus' name. Whatever the issue is that you're speaking out today and giving to God, we're not going to see it anymore because God is on our side. Hallelujah. We agree together today, Lord, that your presence will be so real in our lives. Thank you that through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, you come in and you come to dwell. You come to sit on the throne of my heart. You come to live inside me. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And I pray that your presence will be with me when I walk out of the doors, when I go home, when I go out in the community, when I go to school, when I go to work, wherever I go, I would sense your presence. When we come back together as the people of God into this place, and when the people of God all across this community and all across our nation and all over the world, when they gather together, we ask, O oh Lord, that your presence will be revealed in the midst of your people, that you will show up in Jesus' name, that you will show yourself to be mighty, to be God in the midst of your people, in spite of all the stuff outside that you have not changed and that you're with your people today in Jesus' name. We put our faith and our trust in you our God and our Father, in Jesus' name. And we ask, O oh God, for the issues that are facing us specifically, for leadership, O oh God. We want to have a leader that we can trust, who knows God, who believes God, that you will work through, O oh God, who will be able to hear the voice of God and raise the rod of God, and we will see miracles happen. We will see the power of God manifest in the, in the midst of your people, the church, in Jesus' name. That's our cry. That's what we're asking for today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.